Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn, apply it to your life. It's your time to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with my man, Justin Tid. What's up, Justin? What's up, man? Doing good. Yeah, living life. Living life. So I, you know, Justin and I connected back uh, in October at Arte Live, and we've just, you know, kind of hit it off. You know, Justin um, has been in the bodybuilding space for quite some time, and that's not, you know, it's not his whole story, but that's what I can relate to because I was in the hormone industry. So, um, you know, and that's how I kind of got talking to Justin, and you know, uh, what I didn't know and, and just found out is is uh, he's about to tell us how, you know, he was, you know, came from a super low income family. And, and now I didn't even know this running a $35 million company. So, Justin, dude, I cannot wait to hear uh, the story, my man. I can't wait to hear it. So let's rock and roll, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of crazy because um, you know it's, it's always strange as a kid growing up and you know we we were low income but we weren't low enough income that we got government assistance. But you know my parents would work two two jobs at some times and I'd have a grandma that would come in and help out once you clothes and, and shoes. I got one pair of shoes a year, right? <clears throat> and um, that was life. I knew right. I knew other kids. I was really good at sports, um, so I always navigated those waters pretty well to where I was, I was known by a lot of people because I was good at sports, but I wasn't popular, right? I wasn't a popular kid, really, growing up. Um, but, but you know, what, what was interesting, I think Ed mentions this, too, is when you come from that kind of life, that low-income life, you know what you do have and you know what you don't have. And so when I was about 10 years old, I went on a trip and, and – uh, my uncle was, was pretty successful and, and I saw how he lived. And so what, what I found out in that way on that trip was I, I found out what I didn't have that what I could get. And from that point on, I was like, I'm gonna have this. 
I'm looking at this. You know, 10 year old kid just, you know, didn't have much, couldn't get a quarter candy bar sometime at the grocery store, right? Now, but, um, Justin, Justin, what what did your uncle do that you know? What kind of what kind of work was he in that made you kind of see this new life? Yeah, see, he was a vice president of a pharmaceutical company. Okay, and um, so it was my it was my dad's sister's husband, and then they didn't have any kids, and so they would bring me and my brother, and you know, bring us up Christmas gifts, and we were ten. He decided to fly me and my brother down. That was the first time I've flown. Uh, to his house and that's where I got to see this experience this because I'd never been to their house before so yeah that's pretty cool pretty cool you know it's really interesting when we you know you, you, I don't know if I've ever you know I, I, I can't remember if I've ever heard Ed say that or not or if I had maybe I phased it out but when you said that it's so interesting that when we you don't know what you don't know right and then when you do know you can't really get it out of your head if it's something that you just desire more you know something that you're just so attracted to so something that you want so badly that you you know you do what you got to do to get it you know what I mean and I don't mean like illegally I mean like you know you work your fucking ass off to get Mm -hmm. these things in life and 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 I guess the reason is because you know they you think that they're going to make you happy don't get me wrong possessions absolutely play a part in everyone's life, um, you know, to an extent. Now, is it going to make you happy for the rest of your life? Probably not, but I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I'm a happier person when I got money in my pocket than when I'm not, you know? 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Money does buy some sort of happiness. I I agree with that 100%. I mean, I'm not saying it's everything, but I know – it's, it's, it's leveraged itself to me to, as I've grown and grown into a career and been able to afford things that I never had before. There is some happiness that it creates inside, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would rather have a little bit of money and have opportunities to share with my family and my kids than be worked so hard and not have those opportunities. Uh, there, there's some happiness that is created with that. So, so true. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I grew up a little bit. And, it was funny because my same uncle, um, he, he died uh, 12 years ago probably from leukemia, but he, uh, he told me to get in the healthcare industry. And um, so I, I looked into that. I was, I was going to college for that, and I, I quit and uh, got into marketing and business. So I got my, uh, my undergraduate degree, and then it was funny because if you remember back in like 2000, everybody to have a job, you had to have a bachelor's degree right that's right and so it's like okay i'll go get the bachelor's degree i'll check the box and then i was like well how am i going to differentiate with all these millions of people that have to have that degree so like well i'll get a master's degree okay i'll 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 at least put myself in that little pool um so i did that right and uh, all this time as i was going to college i was working with the company i'm with now but I, i say all that to say this too is i'm not one to believe in degrees I'm really not. Your society at that point in time kind of put that in place that if you were going to work with a big company, you had to have it. I don't think that gears passion or what somebody's going to do or what their outputs be for a company. Um, So I did that, got through it. um, And then at that time, I was just growing with my company. I was a salesperson. I covered the whole East Coast. Um, I moved into a management position. I became a director of sales and marketing. 
and then uh, it was basically like every two years. And then now, uh, our last three years, we've been a chief sales officer and uh, a board member for our company. And so I went from that basically growing up uh, to responsible for 35 millers. I cover North and South America is my responsibility. Uh, so yeah, I have a whole sales team, distributors, and representatives underneath me. So, you know, Justin, I got to say, you know, uh, for years, um, I, uh, so I, you know, all my listeners already know this by now, but I'm a convicted felon because I got caught with cocaine in 2005 and I didn't graduate from college. So those two things, um, truly, I felt like for years I had a belief that I was not going to make, make it because of those two things. And, you know, uh, and, and in part, partially because, you know, it's, if you have a felony and you have no college degree, then that lessens your chances of getting a job, which I'm very grateful for at this point, because I don't want a job. I, I'd rather work for myself or help build a company with somebody and not punch a fucking clock. It's just not my idea of happiness. In fact, I was talking to one of our RT brothers yesterday and I'm, I think uh, what it's looking like is I'm going to go into business with him with a new venture. And the thing is this, you know, we were talking about, you know, the, the structure and the pay structure and, and something was mentioned about a W2. And I said, listen, you know, I feel like, you know, elephants standing on my heart when you mention the word W2, because I don't, it's been years since I've had a W2 and I just, I just am not gonna, I don't, uh, you know, if I can help it, if I can help it, and I'm gonna do everything I can do to help it, I won't ever be a W two again. If I can, if I can help it, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I yeah. So, and nothing against people that do have a W two, because listen, these people that make mm-hmm. a gazillion dollars that get a mm-hmm. W two. I just, mm-hmm. I'm just been so used to writing shit off, and you know, I just, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go down that road for for me anyway. Oh yeah. 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 That's the ultimate goal. Right. Cause like it, if you're, I mean, anybody will tell you this, if you're going to make real money, you got, you got to be your own, your own business. You got to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I, that's really where it's at. And um, yeah, I mean, you're saying that, I mean, it just kind of leads me into some other things. Like a few weeks ago, I started a business uh, painting, doing artwork and woodworking with, with one of my friends. And so we got a little side business going on here to where he's going to, he's, he wants to retire from his position. He's an electrician at a company and he wants that to be full time. Great. I'm going to be a side piece of that business. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm constant. So it's that, you know, there's probably three other things I'm kind of working on and another thing that are all just side outside of this W2, this position that I'm working right with my career. Right. And I, but I love what I do. Right. I love it. I love being a sales officer for this company I, they're great to me um and i've just I've, I've traveled the world dude like i've sold i've sold products in over 15 countries five continents like i've had so many life experiences from this so it's it's so fun so i'm doing that and then i'm trying to be an entrepreneur in that same space as well too well so justin i have to ask you you know did you start this other business because of all this fucking craziness going on right now you know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I can't travel for my job, and that's what I do is I travel and see people. 
And so I actually bought a uh, marketing course, online marketing course. Cause like, well, where, where do I struggle? Right. Cause I'm, I want to use the opportunity to, to strengthen myself. And so I, I looked out and it was basically it's internet advertising. I don't know a lot about it. I are people that do that. Uh, so I was like, I'm gonna learn it myself. So I took a 30 day course, learned it myself, started running internet ads. And during this process, uh, I was talking to him one day and he brought out some cutting boards that were really, really cool and unique. And so I started thinking, well, I'm an artist. So I'm like, well, can we do cutting boards and can we do serving trays and I'll paint on the serving trays and we can put epoxy on them, be completely unique, one off every time, and then we'll sell these. And uh, man, dude, we launched the business in the first week and sold out. Boom, gone. I mean, like it was like a thousand dollars worth of product, but still, first Dang. week gone. So yeah. So now we're already selling orders, so we have to put in delivery leads because we'll never catch up. <laughs> dude, that's a fucking great yeah. problem to have. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, so so you know, I wouldn't have pegged you as an artist. Yeah, so yeah, I I do abstract art, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some photos of some stuff I do. Yeah, I paint on canvas. It's abstract art. I've been painting for about nine years. Good for you, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I don't know if I have the patience, my man. I just don't know if I have the patience. I sure as hell don't have hey. the. I sure as hell don't have the eye coordination. I can tell you that. <laughs> I do pop two bottles of wine, put some music on, and. <laughs> and it's all over after that huh? that's it man Create creativity yeah absolutely <laughs> that's crazy man that's fantastic so yeah. uh so cutting boards and serving like what kind of serving trays like uh give me just kind of give me an example of what you mean by that yeah so um charcuterie boards will be one of them right so serving trays whether you're you got fruit on it or you got cheese mm. um you know, uh, and, and crackers, things like that. So it's like, it's a really high end product. That's, you know, if you're an artsy type person or you want something different, um, you have a tray that you can carry out and, you know, it, it's a talking piece, too, right? Sure. Sure. Now do you hand paint them? Yeah. Wow. What is, now? What, what, how long does it, how long does it take you to paint, uh, one of your serving trays or, or one of the cutting boards just out of curiosity? Yeah, so it depends uh, the, what the design's going to be because I use a few different mediums and some things that'll go on top of it. So, I mean, it, it could take anywhere from uh, three to five days probably to paint one. And, and that just depends on the level that I, I put on top of it, how much paint I got to put into it. I mean, I could paint one in one day, but to do one the, the way I like to do it, probably take me about four. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Now, is it because you do it in sec sections, or what? Or you just feel, why, why, why one one day or four days? So, like when you use different mediums, what a medium is is like a material that's kind of um, you can harden up. So it can harden up like concrete, or uh, so 
number one, that takes two days to try to dry. So that'll have to dry. Then you got to paint it. So sometimes there's levels of paint that has to go on top that will lengthen that time that it takes to paint one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did, I was going to ask you what you meant by medium. I don't I did not know what you meant by that, mm -hmm. but now I do. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Dude. Otherwise, I can just throw some paint on it, let it dry more paint, let it dry more paint, and then one day I can have one knockout. That's super cool, man. That's super super yeah. cool. And now he puts the epoxy on it. You said epoxy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's clear epoxy. So, because what, what we don't want is that 3D. You still get the visualization of the 3D effect. Um, okay. So you, you you can still see the paint, how, how it rolls. Um, but obviously, if you're setting stuff on it, you don't want to set on bare paint. And it'll, it'll move. It won't be level. So we put the clear epoxy on it, and then it has a hard surface. Very nice. Now, where do you see this going? Just out of curiosity, with the time that you have to spend on the painting portion, mm -hmm. I mean, can you scale this? Yeah, well, where we're wanting to go um, is really high-end tables. That, that, that'll be probably the next step. So what we're, what we're, our goal is to really master this area, this kind of the product line, and then roll it into large tables to where we're going to be you know, these tables cost twenty and forty thousand dollars. So Ooh. that that will be the that that's the plan for the scale of the business. Yeah, is is to grow into that market. So you know, in order to be able for him to make us his full time, he's going to have to do that. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So what? It, yes, I, I, you mind me asking, like, what a cutting board costs? And if a damn table costs forty grand. Yeah, no, cutting boards are between seventy-five and one hundred and fifty dollars, depending on the size of them. And then okay. the serving trays, rope. Yeah, the serving trays, one hundred and fifty to two hundred and twenty-five. Okay, so not astronomical. This table you're talking no. about being twenty or forty grand is something intricate. This is a special order that somebody mm -hmm. really wants. That something really detailed and personal, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would be, yeah. Or a business, you know, commercial, you know, hotels or restaurants, something like that. Oh, I didn't think about that. That makes sense. That makes total mm -hmm. sense. Okay, cool. Yep. Cool. So what have you been doing? Uh, you know, I I assume you've got a gym at home, but I also assume you go to a gym. What have you been doing? Because I know you work out like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, during this time, uh, as we kind of saw it coming, um, of course, I'm a bodybuilder. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, one of my teammates and a good friend of mine, he's a doctor, and we, we basically, he had some physical therapy equipment, and we took some other equipment. I took some stuff over, and we just set up a space in his garage, and we made a, a legit home gym, <laughs> and uh, and we, we, we wipe it down, we get there, we work out, we wipe it down, we leave. It's, it's an interesting process, uh, but we've kept it together in between the time, so hopefully the next few weeks, West Virginia is going to be opening back up. Um, it looks like two, three weeks we'll be able to get back in the gym, Jim. But yeah, man, I've not missed a beat. And um, I had a, a bodybuilding show in July. It got moved to October. So it's, it was interesting. I was like 10 weeks out when the show got moved. So I went from a complete uh, starting to cut phase to a balking phase. So um, it's, it's interesting. It's my first national show because I, I qualified nationally last year. So okay. my, my, my intentions, right, are to get a pro card this year. So I want to be a professional athlete as well. Which, uh, so which, which uh, show is, which, which show is the one that you're referring to? 
Yes, it's in October. It's uh, it's in Pittsburgh. It's called the Master Nationals. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Tony Freeman, uh, is I, I'm sure you know the name Tony Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He, you know, he one of the most amazing dudes you've ever met. Like, you know, I, I really didn't understand the caliber of a dude I was talking to when I was talking to him until he told me that he had won, you know, he was like top five in the whole world for like a decade. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, damn, like that's crazy. Like what you guys have to put yourselves through. And and I, one one thing I want you to talk about is the bulking and the cutting phase because, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm sure a lot of my listeners may know what that means, but I guess there's probably some that don't. So Talk about that for a moment, if you, you know, if you don't mind the food intake and the massive amount of food intake. Yeah. So I'll, I'll roll out to where right at this moment. So I'm eating 4,000 calories a day right now. Um, that entails six meals, so I eat six meals a day. Uh, I eat every two and a half, three hours. So I start at seven, seven thirty in the morning and I'm eating until midnight. I mean, that, that's pretty much how it rolls out. Um, don't enjoy any meal. <laughs> so, sometimes but, I enjoy breakfast, but you, you don't. You don't enjoy any of the meals, uh, but it's it's the process, right? You have the goal, and it's like, well, this is what I have to do to get to that goal. And for me, like bodybuilding is just like anything else in business. It's like, well, what do you have to go through to get that? Okay, I'll do that. I'll go through that. Like whatever it's going to take, that's what I'm going to do, right? And so for me, it's just a transition of, okay, this is bodybuilding. Here are the rules. You have to eat this. Okay. You have to train this way. Okay. And it's just going through that process. Um, And then it'll drastically change. So we'll we'll say come July, I'll start reversing off of my diet. I'll go into more of a cut phase, we call it. And, you know, I'll trim my calories way down. Um, I'll eventually get to 1,000, 1,400 calories a day while I'm burning the same amount, maybe more. That's toward the end of the end of like toward the show, right? And you know, my cardio increases, you know, doing 35 minutes as soon as I wake up before I eat, uh, to where I'll be doing, you know, go through my day, then I do my two hour training session, and then I'll do another 30 minutes at night. And then I still gotta get food in and be a dad and be a husband and do my job. So, you know, it's it's, it's difficult. Um, it's a lot of fun there's a lot of therapy maybe that goes into it with me too. Right. It's like, for me, it's like those two hours I can kind of escape from everything. Um, but yeah, so it's the bulking goes one way. It's heavy food uh, to where the cutting you get to where you're, you're hungry. You know, you're, you're, you ate and you're like, okay, in three hours I can eat again. And you're already thinking about that meal. Damn. So one thing that you said, what I thought was interesting and, and, you know, Ed has said this just recently said that, you know, one thing about being successful is that you do the same boring shit over and fucking over. And that's just part of it. And what you just said is exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. That's you're right, Corey. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, it's, it's everything we do, right? It's just like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Okay. I don't want to do this. So I have to do this. And you know, whether it's, invoicing you know it's you know i love being in front of people and selling products to people so when i can't do that i'm like oh this isn't fun well it's not always going to be fun right but if you want to be successful if you want to sell really big 
and have relationships with people and be good at it, then you got to do all the little stuff, the day-to-day stuff that takes care of all those people. It takes care of your position and what has to happen. Yeah. So, you know, that leads me to my next question. And, you know, so what have you done to make sure that you're, you know, the people that you do normally go and see in your, in your company, what, what have you done during this time to make sure they feel like you give a fuck about them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. So what, I, so a few things, uh, one like random texts or I'll send them funny memes. I'll call them. I ask about their family. Um, but we FaceTime, right? And so I've got two of them that we set up. We, we have a bi-weekly call where we legit, we, three of us, we go buy the same bottle of wine and we rotate who picks the wine. And then, all right. And then we drink that bottle of wine together on a, on a Zoom call. So it's like, you know, okay, what do you think about the wine? So it's given us reason to get together, to talk outside of work, but staying in front of that customer, right? And so doing that, uh, send them gifts, you know, send them little gifts, let them know I think of them. Um, for me, it's like relationships are really important. Uh, you know, for me, I, if you have a relationship with someone, you really don't have to sell them anything. Does that make sense? To me, it makes total sense. Yeah. To me, it makes total sense. So, you know, one of the things that uh, that we've done, kind of sidebar from that is, and it kind of goes back to your you you what you were doing during your training and stuff during this time. Autumn and I, and my wife, Autumn, um, which by the way, your your wife or or well, it is your wife, correct? Right, right. She's also a bodybuilder, correct? She is, yeah. Yeah. So um, I want you to talk about that also in a minute. But w- one thing that we did when this whole thing kind of started, I was, you know, I. I felt like I was dialed in, but then I got undialed real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just not really like me to get that way. And so we had to, my wife volunteered me on a Zoom call uh, in front of four or five other people to do a five-day water fast. And so being the egotistical person that I am, I had to say yes. And so we did that. But I'll tell you what, Justin, um, you know, it was – one of the hardest, other than getting sober, it was probably one of the hardest damn things I've ever done. It was so hard. Mm-hmm. And but by the end of that 120 hours, it's changed so much shit in my life. It's got I'm off medications that I've been on for six years. Uh, oh, wow. You know, I'm my diet is is cleaned up to the point that I oh, and we're doing 75 hard also, which we mm-hmm. had started before that. And so needless to say, those five days were a nightmare, but, but what it did for me is it, 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 it was so far the opposite direction as to where I was going, which is what I like. I love mm-hmm. going completely off in left field because I just, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm just weird like that, I guess. Um, but, but what it did is it changed my mindset with what it, all this stuff that's going on. And it really helped me to dial in some things that were really important to me. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It's just like sometimes you just need to change up in, in order to do that. Right. I mean, for me, almost this virus, I don't, it's really cold, but I want to say it's a blessing for me because it, it actually allowed for me to, to stop moving so much. And it allowed me to focus on some things I was weak at. 
it allowed me to dial in my training even harder because I was able to work out in the same place, not on the road. I was able to eat my meals easier, not in a vehicle, not, you know, I didn't have to pack all my food. And so I've been able to actually progress in a lot of ways due to something, due to a change like that. Right. And sometimes it just takes things like that to, to change the way we think because we get stuck in the everyday process of just, okay, doing this, doing this. Right. For sure. Let me ask you, do you think that, um, do you think moving forward that your, that your position before all this shit will change as far as like how much you're traveling and do you think it will, do you think, for example, like zoom, you know, everybody's using zoom. And so do you think you'll use zoom, for example, in, in place of maybe taking a trip to wherever? No, nah, probably not. Not for me. I'm, I'm a very, uh, like when I say like relationships, like I feel like you have to be in front of someone to do that. Right. And, you gotta, you gotta touch their arm, their shoulder, give them a hug, right? Like see them laugh together, you know, whether you're drinking or having a good meal together, you, you can build a relationship completely different when you're doing it that way. So the moment this thing opens up, man, like I got a trip in Colombia, Mexico, Arizona, Montana, like I'm biting. I can't wait to get out and start working on some relationships. Again. Yeah. So, okay. So that, that, I'm glad you said it that way. How, you know, so everybody knows whether they want to fucking admit it or not. If you live with another person, a partner, a wife, a husband that, you know, shit got a little challenging cooped up in the same house. If you're not typically cooped when we are, that's just it. We are usually cooped up in the same house, but when there's, when there's that restriction, there's that added stress that comes mm -hmm. along with, all this stuff. How have you guys, um, and forgive me, just what is your uh, wife's name? Felicia. Felicia? Mm -hmm. Why did I think it was something entirely different? Yeah, because her Instagram account used to be daughter of Paige. So a lot there. of people think it's, yeah, they think it's Paige, but daughter of Paige. That's her mom's name. Gotcha. You're right. That's exactly what I thought. And I knew that I knew that was the name. Right. So how, how has it been for the two of you? Because you, you know, you're, you're always gone. Yeah. Every other week I'm gone. Right. And so, but she would like me here. We have a really good relationship to where we're, we're really friends, you know? So we've been together now for four years and, you know, we both came from a broken marriage. Uh, we're, we're kind of the person didn't really appreciate us or respect us the way that you know, we should have been. And so before we found each other, we kind of, we both had set our own, our expectations of, Hey, here's what it's going to take to find someone. If they're not this person, I'm not interested. Right. And so we were both like basically willing to walk away at any given moment. And then finally found out that, well, there's nothing about her. I didn't like and nothing about me. She didn't like. And so we quickly became really good friends. And yeah. So like to answer your question though, um, we had maybe three or four days when the whole thing, we were stuck at home together and it was like, well, you left something on the counter and you weren't going to get it. And I'm like, well, usually you're not here. And I get that at lunchtime, <laughs> you know? So it was like, right. you're, you're leaving your stuff. And I'm like, well, I kind of didn't, but I did. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, so it was like little things like that. Then it was kind of like, okay, we started to like, just get each other's um, schedule. But you know, it's nice that like she can walk by and I see her out of my office. You know, we get done work and we go train together. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice. I'm taking the moment to really appreciate being home more because I do know that I'm going to be back on the road again. So I'm, I'm really just trying to appreciate that a lot more. Absolutely. And that makes, you know, that makes complete sense. Um, but this and I'm so glad that you articulated it that way because I didn't look at our little, you know, our little, my wife and ours little tiffs before, really before we did our fast. But, but that, but you're right. It was stupid. It was so stupid, stupid shit. Like you left something out and I didn't even think about it. Like, well, this is not our normal schedule. I didn't yeah. even look at it, look at it like that at all. What a different perspective. Yeah. It's cause like, I, yeah, maybe I left it out, but I was going to actually get it in four hours. Nobody's ever here. It's just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm working from the house by myself. So yeah. That's great. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So are you, um, you've got kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I've got three kids and a stepson. So she's got a son and I've got three. Yeah. Now are you, they all into the same roof? Man, you're opening a big bag, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my 15 year old daughter, yeah, she is here. And then her son is traveling back and forth. Um, he is 10. He would like to live here when he's 12. So he, he comes during the summers and holidays. And then my other two, they come every other weekend. Okay, then, gotcha. Then, then an alter, alternating some other days and holidays. But yeah. Yeah. So my daughter is not biologically my daughter, but I've raised her since she was four years old. And we, I mean, to her, I'm, I'm daddy. And, mm -hmm. but, but she now, her biological father's in her life. And so, you know, she's, that has, you know, the, their schedule hasn't changed much. But the reason I ask is because I was talking to the wife of the guy I was mentioned earlier yesterday. And she was saying that um, their, uh, his daughter, the mom hit his ex-wife, my buddy's ex-wife won't allow his, you know, their kid together to come over to their house because of the fear of the damn one of the smaller kids getting the virus and her bringing it back. Mm, yeah, which is fucking stupid if you ask me, but that's just my opinion, I, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's got to be some level of trust, you know, like um, with my two kids that go back and forth. I've, you know, there's a good understanding of hey, we trust each other's living habits and what we're around, things like that. That. I mean, it's, it's probably different every occasion, but yeah, we, we've got some pretty good trust that, that, that hasn't been affected. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so has your, has your, has your business is, I, I, you know, we talked about your position in the business, um, but I'm not sure if we discussed exactly what the business is. Did you? Yeah. So no, we haven't done that. Um, we manufacture, um, electrical equipment. So it's uh, electrical houses, uh, transformers, substations, um, electronic relays. I'm trying to get not get super techie on you here. That's the big nerd coming out of me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we service the, uh, the, the mining industry. So it's coal, gold, copper, um, salt, potash, iron, um, and then the light rail industry. So subways. So if you ever go to if you ever go to New York and ride the subway, we would, we would build some of the equipment, rectifiers and relays that protect um, the trains and some things like that. So we do uh, a little bit in that market. Um, 
we build a lot of electrical equipment that go down to Disney World in Florida. So all the DC rectifiers, AC, DC equipment, uh, if you're running the, on their machines, our stuff operates at. So that's kind of a, a cool little project. Uh, but yeah, so it's mostly mining and then uh, the tunneling and traction power stuff. <clears throat> okay. So that's interesting. You know, I, I had to go down to, I didn't have to go. I, it's a long story, but I went down to Orlando a couple of weeks ago and I stayed right there in Disney and it was just so weird um, to be there and it not you near know, nothing being open. It's just, it was just surreal. It was just, it was the most, it was so, so such an odd experience. Mm-hmm. Because you know, usually you know it's a mob down there, and now yeah. like a desert. And I don't even know if they're opening back up this year. I don't know either. Yeah, it's, this is a once a lifetime experience. Like Dude, we're... <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever experienced this. No one, no one's uh-uh. ever experienced this. Yeah, and, and probably in our lifetime we will never see. I mean, we're living in the most historical probably thing that's happened that we'll ever know about. one of the, one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's insane. Like this is going to go down in history books for the next hundred years. It will. Yeah, it will. Mm-hmm. It's insane, man. It is absolutely insane. And who God only knows what to expect. You know, I can't, I, I can't speculate because I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't watch the news. I don't read a damn newspaper. I don't even get news to my phone because I just don't believe any of it. I don't either. I'm saying I quit watching the news four years ago, probably. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. Then you get a little snippets of this and what's going on at this moment. For me, I, 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 none of it's factual. So I just have to not listen to it, plug it out. You know, I talk to doctors. I see what the hospitals are doing. And I just, I just kind of make my own feelings based on people I know in the hospitals, the doctors and what they know. They're smart dudes, you know? So I listen to them and that's how I make my, my, my own opinion. For sure. For sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have a buddy that, you know, he, let me see how to say this. Um, well, he lives in, he lives up in Michigan and, and he's, you know, to hear him talk about this shit, you would think the world was burning the fuck down. <laughs> I mean, it is, I mean, he's a bit more dying left and right. And I'm just like, I'm not sure where you get all this information because mm-hmm. like, I don't even think the mainstream media is saying shit like that. Yeah, I know some hospitals, maybe I've got some friends that are nurses in certain hospitals that it's worse than others. So, I mean, I, I, maybe ultimately in some, some areas that are, you know, they, they have more problems than others, but ultimately it doesn't seem to me what I've experienced or what I've seen. It's, it's not what it's being portrayed as. Well, no. And you know, H1N1, and I totally God, I could kick myself. I don't remember the, the, the statistic, but it, it was, I mean, it was some number like, like 10 times more than what this is going on. Yeah. And I mean, you remember that the pig, the, the swine flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and uh, you know, I, you know, I, it, there's no telling if the, if the truth may not ever come out, but if it does, God only knows what that looks like. Oh yeah. No, for sure. I, I know. I will say that, at least from an economic standpoint for my business, um, 
you know, we're not seeing much effect. Uh, where, where it's affecting us is from the supplier issue. So okay. whether we have like a, a subcomponent, um, maybe that company is not considered essential. And so they shut their doors. And so we're, we're, my engineers are constantly out trying to find new manufacturers for products. And some of our products may come from Europe. Some may come from China and, and to go into our, our complete system and it's delayed projects. You know, I, I was supposed to ship a project mid last month and I'm shipping it next week. You know, it's, it's caused me a four week delay on a project that, you know, it's like a $400,000 project that's now delayed a month <clears throat> and the mine is still operating. So it's, that's the thing is like, they still need it. They understand, but it's, that's how it's impacting our business. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, I guess because I'm not in that industry, I don't even think about stuff like that, but really if the mining industry is still, you know, pumping as hard as they were and they have some, something that, is considered a non-essential, like what you're talking about, go down. Well, then what, 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 what does that leave them kind of empty handed? It does. I mean, you got to find other people to be able to supply it. I mean, you know, it's kind of the same thing like we were talking about earlier. I use this analogy a lot for my salespeople is that, you know, if, if my truck's broken down and I take it to AutoZone and they don't have the part to fix it, I'm going to go to advanced auto parts, right? And if they have the part to fix it, I'm going to use it and fix my truck. Now, most likely next time my truck breaks down, I'm going to advance auto parts first because they help me, right? And so it's that, it's that do whatever it takes to help people. So these mines operating, they're going to do whatever it takes. So if you're not the one helping them, they'll find someone to help them. And then the next time they'll go back to that person. So, you know, you have to, that's part of creating a relationship too is like, I want you to come to me. I will help you, you know, and, and I tell people that I'm dead honest with them. Like, look, I'm the guy, you have a problem. I'm the guy electrical. I'll fix it. But yeah. So. Well, I, have... I was going to say, uh, I talked to, I had a meeting with a customer this morning and they're operating 50% less capacity. And it's because their trains have to go through Vancouver to go to port and then get to Japan can't get trains to Vancouver. So they, they're, they're 50% capacity can't fulfill their contracts right now. Why can't they go to Vancouver? Canada's got it shut down. They can't get the trains across the border to get to port oh. to ship it out. You're kidding. I did not. Of course I didn't know that. Cause I don't watch the news. I, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Well, it's, yeah, it's not on the news. Right. But if you ask these guys, cause I asked them, I'm like, well, we had a big multi-million dollar project coming up and he said, no, nah, we got to push that out. I was like, oh, I was like, well, what's, what is, what's the impact for that? And he explained it to me and I was like, dang, no way. Yeah. The port, they can't get the train support to get the product out. Because they're afraid of transferring more of the virus. Right. I'm assuming. That's it has to be. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, it's, it's the only thing. Cause this, this was never a problem before. Yeah. That's insane, man. That is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. You know, it's funny that you, you, you mentioned that about advanced auto and, 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 and AutoZone. I was asking my wife the other day, we were driving by, there was a fucking line. I mean, a mile long coming out of Dunkin' Donuts. And I said to her, I said, you know, because a lot of the Starbucks around here, there's, a, there's select ones that are open. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, Starbucks has shut a lot of their stores down, but Dunkin' Donuts, there are lines out the back. I said, 
do you think that people will stay with Dunkin' Donuts after this shit's over with? Or do you think that people are going to be so ready to get out and, and, and try something different or to do something different because they've been stuck with this newfound mm-hmm. Dunkin' Donuts? I think it could go either way. Um, but what do you think about that? You know, what do you think is, as a customer of a, of a place, what would you do? Yeah, I, I think anytime a situation like that happens that you're going to lose cons- consumers, right? They're, they're going to transition because there's things like that they don't forget or they, they may not, their belief system, right, is going to be different. And who was it? Oh, man, I thought I was, I was listening to, it was Ed. Yeah, Ed had on his story the other day, he was talking about brands and he was like, look, let's face it. So regardless of political reasons, if you're a Democrat, you wear the the brand, right? If you're a Republican, you wear the brand, regardless of what happens, your vote for the brand. So you're going to have Starbucks people and Dunkin' Donuts people. They're going to go back to their brand once they can have it, right? So, but that that middle piece, the people that may believe or not believe, you're going to get people that don't care. You're going to get people that are going to say, hey, you know what? I don't agree with you guys shutting down like that. So I'm just taking my business somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, for me, that's kind of how I would feel about it. I believe if it was that important to me, it's not, you know, either right. one of those stores are not that important, not important to me whatsoever. But if they were, and DD was the one that are, were open right now and they could, and they're the ones that are fulfilling what I need personally, I'm probably going to stick with them because they were there for me. That's right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And and so then, then my, my wife said, she said, you know, I didn't know you could get a shot of espresso for a dollar and fifty cents at Nuckin' Donuts. And I went, Isn't it like three dollars or whatever at Starbucks? And I said, she said, Yeah. I said, Well, fuck, that's huge for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, who who would fall? So you know, it's such an interesting time, dude. It's such an interesting time. So let's go back for a minute and and talk about you. So you and uh, Felicia, you guys, do you train together usually? Uh, some days. So it depends on how our training splits go. So she's a bikini competitor. I'm a men's physique competitor. So you know the way we're judged. Um, I gotta. I, I have to have a V shape. So I have to have big shoulders, big back you know, and then a small taper, right? They don't judge legs. I work out legs, but they don't judge legs. For her, hers is her glutes and her legs is makes basically her shape. So she does a lot of leg training. She trains legs three days a week. I train them one day a week. And then, so in the off season, we typically will work out together, but when we're training for a show, it's, it's really difficult to, yeah, it's, it's really hard. That's so interesting. I, you know, uh, and granted, I'm not immersed in the bodybuilding industry, but I know a little, you know, I know some about it, but I did not know, mm-hmm. I did not know that, that, that physique, uh, when they, when they judge for physique, I didn't know that, that men and women were, I mean, I knew there was obviously a difference, but I didn't know literally the whole bottom half and the whole upper half are, you know, the male mm-hmm. is the, the top and the female is the bottom. I did not know that. Yeah, for that division. I mean, you know, like, you got to be toned for, like, her. She's got to have toned arms, and her abs have to be toned. She can't have too much muscle because it has to be a bikini look. 
because if they if she has too much muscle or they call if if she's too hard then she should be more of a figure uh, competitor a woman's figure competitor to where like for me if i'm big legs and really 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 big and i don't have that v shape then they're going to say hey you need to go move on into bodybuilding you shouldn't be a men's physique you don't fit the the rules right right okay so so let me ask you this you know what how does her how, how much different is her diet as a woman doing you know similar program just different mm-hmm. body parts how is it different than how you eat so to speak as long as we're bulking together um it's it's similar less calories and so okay. we've we've done a good job basically like my coach and her coach and saying okay here here's his plan or here's her plan and then they'll work protein and carbs and greens they'll work ours around each other so that way we can meal prep chicken fish sirloin beef you know we can eat the same things just smaller portions for her bigger portions for me okay so now let me ask you this you know and it's coming off the heels of me just putting out sean baker's um podcast but you know he's carnivore guy right um Mm -hmm. so you know have what typically from my understanding and talking with several people that have been in this industry um, you know, people, you know, but you guys eat, like you just said, chicken, fish, sirloin, fucking rice. And then what else? Like, and, and, and do you, could you, whew, tough question, but could you, could you even fathom going carnivore? Uh, straight, car- straight, car- straight carnivore. Um, I mean, I gotta have carbs, you know what I mean? So I'm not going to bulk and build muscle without carbs. I got to have a certain amount of carbs, certain amount of protein, and then a little bit of greens. If I'm going to bulk and get big, I have to go heavy calories and then be able to pull that back off. So, I mean, you know, I can go without carbs in a cutting cycle. Um, need a little bit of carbs. You, ha- you really still need some because you got to be able to pump the muscle. Um, but, yeah, I got to have a lot of carbs. I do to bulk. Well, yeah. And carbs for brain health. Yeah. I mean, it's very, I mean, Dr. Amen, who was on Ed's show, talks about carbohydrates feed the fucking brain. Man, I tell you, it's true because <laughs> when I'll be in like my last four weeks of a show prep, I'm foggy. I for, I'm forgetful. I, I get irritated easy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you can't think clearly. It's, it's, it's really strange because you're very carb depleted. It is very, very strange of like how much you you're forgetting and it's not there, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's ex- okay. So that's exactly that five day fast that we did. I told my wife this morning. I said, you know, if if I would have had important calls that week, I'd have been fucked <laughs> because yeah. I I couldn't think straight. Like I just, <laughs> it was the oddest feeling in my head. It was just. And, and maybe, you know, closer to the end, it got a little clearer. Maybe that was because I knew I had food coming. I don't know. But, um, you know, it is. You're right. It is an interesting fog, interesting, just slow, just kind of slows everything down. Mm-hmm. I mean, how in the world do you function at work, nor like you would normally function? Do you? Yeah. I mean, that's got to be tough. 
Dude, for those four weeks, I had to write everything down. I had to write everything down. And then I had a few people that I was just like, look, I will call and be like, hey, can you help me with this? I'm like, I'm probably going to forget. You know, and I just, I basically laid it out for them. And I'm like, these few weeks, I, I'm, I'm going to need some help. But yeah. That's smart. <laughs> it's true. It's true, man, because you forget so much. It's, cra- it's, it's really, really crazy. And you won't even know you forgot it until somebody says something. You're like, oh. I guess, yeah, I guess I did. I guess I forgot that. It's just not even like it happened. It's really, it's really strange, the, the brain side of it, of how you go through it. No question about it. And, you know, just so everybody understands, like, you know, you, this is not something you do for – this is what you, you do. You, you do this for fun. This is not That's like – you know, this is not like your job. This is just something mm-hmm. you do for fun, which is – Do it for fun, makes, man. Makes it even cooler, if you ask me, you know. Um, you're not in it for the money. You're not in it for, you just in it because of the the competition, the challenge. I tell you what, four years ago, I was a hundred. No, I was 205 pounds, had the dad bod. Right. And I was getting out of a, about five years ago, I was getting out of a marriage and I was like, you know what? I wasn't happy with how I looked in the mirror. And I was like, I want to have abs. That was it. I want to have abs. I trained myself. I researched, trained myself. I got abs. All right. Then I was like 185. And I was like, well, fuck, I don't know what to do now. You know, now what do I do? I got abs, but whatever. So I, I hired a coach and he got me a little bit of ways. And I was like, I think I want to compete. And you'd asked me this earlier, actually, the reason I started competing was because of my wife. She competed two years before me. I just like to work out. And then I was like, well, I guess I could do a show. So then I hired a few coaches and they, they, they fit the need. And then I got bigger and bigger and better and kept advancing, kept advancing. Dude, I, I just grew this passion and love for it. Loved how I looked in the mirror. I loved the control aspect of it and how it would change. And it's crazy to look at the picture I had from 205 pounds to a picture I had at 205 pounds with muscle and less fat. Like, it's two different people. It's crazy the amount. Like, I, I look terrible. And, um, and that was the whole reason. I was just like, I wish one abs. That was it. Just one abs. And then next thing I know, it blew up into into this you know i'm sitting here 225 pounds with a plan to get 240 pounds in the next three months and yeah it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy how you can lock in and just grow passion for something and then just give it whatever you got because whatever i'm putting in is what i'm gonna get out right so yeah you know i'm a i I say this a lot of times so i'm it's basically a foot on gas and head out of ass that's my whole saying (laughs) so if you're going to do it, you freaking do it, man. Yeah. I, look, I totally get that 100%. 100%. Well, listen, Justin, we got to wrap up, my man. Can you let everybody know that, first of all, dude, this has been such a great, great conversation. I've loved any conversation that I have a time to talk with you. I've always enjoyed it. Um, so thank you. I appreciate you spending the time with me to come yeah. on today and share your story with my audience. And uh, can you just let everybody know where they can find you and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, so Instagram, it's uh, last name underscore first name. So Tid, T-I-D-D, underscore Justin. On Instagram, it's the best. Don't use Facebook a ton. Instagram's the best place. Awesome. Well, listen, my man, I want to thank you again. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, have an awesome day, brother. All right, man. You too. Thank you. Yes, sir. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life.
Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.